Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. During COVID up until probably end of last year, early this year, you could get a rate in the twos. I could go get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage of 2.75%. That same loan right now is probably 5.25%. What does that mean? Well, that means if your payment was 3000 now it's 4500 bucks. So that's a pretty big difference. What I believe that we're going to see is we will see softening in some of our housing markets that are not uh, as strong of markets, meaning, yeah, prices might drop a little bit. I really think what we're going to see, and th- this is primarily based off the fact that people have so much equity in their homes. If you go back to 08, I think the average home equity was somewhere around 30 or 40%, meaning that you know they owed about 60 to 65 cents on the dollar, 70 cents on the dollar. Now it's more like, 40 cents, 35 cents on the dollar. So there's a lot more equity in homes because we had such a quick run up in home prices. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and today we have a special guest. It's moi doing a solo for y'all. And I wanted to talk uh, you know, about something that's going on right now that I'm seeing a, a ton of noise in the media about. Are we in a housing bubble? Are we in a housing bubble? And so um, first of all, I want to give you some of my qualifications to speak on this topic. Uh, I was in the and, and continue to spend time in the mortgage space. Uh, my last business, The Money Source, was one of the top lenders in the United States, one of the top largest lenders in the United States. Well, I think the biggest we got was top 20 in the United States. So when you, uh, there's a quote that I love in business, which is people that pay, pay attention. And for me, I was paying a lot of money managing billions and billions. We managed, you know, when I was CEO, about $30 billion of mortgage assets. A company now manages about $100 billion of mortgage assets. So, um, you know, am I a housing economist? No. Am I an expert in the sense of I managed a shit ton of assets? That were affected by the housing prices. Heck yeah, uh, more so than probably most of these economists out here uh, who are just being paid by uh, folks like myself when when I was CEO of TMS. 
So, you know, I've been seeing a lot of noise like, oh, we're in a housing market. Oh, the housing market. This is another 2008 again. And I just want to say this. Uh, I'm going to call bullshit. I don't agree with it. Um, now, does that not mean that certain parts of the housing market are going to take a haircut? Maybe. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But um, I want to walk everybody through what happened in the, in the last housing crisis because I was at the eye of that storm. I was running a subprime mortgage lender. We made lo- lots of exotic loans and uh, lots of our loans didn't perform. And so having made you know hundreds of millions of dollars of those loans, um, I got a front row seat, you know, grab your popcorn. And I had it, I had mine, that's for sure. And then some, um, and, and got to watch exactly what happened to those assets and why it happened. And the reality is this, that was a housing market where at its peak, it was the biggest, I, I want to say there was four or five or 6 trillion. I think it was 4 trillion in mortgage origination that happened. And this is a combination of purchases and refinances in 2007. So we had, you know, I could be off on that number, but if I'm off, it's by either the year or slight, a trillion here, a trillion there. It was definitely four trillion plus. And I want to say it was 06 or 07. Um, I, I believe it was 06 was the year that, that we had that big of a, a mortgage origination year. To put it in perspective, if you fast forward to pre-pandemic, we were doing two trillion ish every year, half of what we did at the peak in 2006. So these were record years of mortgage origination. Huge, you know, huge loan amounts, people paying up, people going into negative amortized loans where you're not even paying the minimum interest on the loan, uh, short term arms, lots and lots of exotic lending, non qualified mortgages, uh, you know, subprime mortgages, alter, we called them alt, alt A mortgages back then. So you had a lot of people going into homes, not proving their income, and then getting a house that had really uh, a payment that they potentially could not afford in the future. And so what ended up happening in 8, 9, 10 was a lot of these folks, you know, we saw a huge correction in housing prices. Some markets were down as much as, you know, over 50%, uh, depending on the market we're talking about. I remember I, I had owned a house at the time in um, Utah, a vacation home with my brother and one other person. And we had bought the house for, you know, 387000 And a year, this was in September 2005. And literally the next year, it was worth over $600,000. So you saw housing prices more than double in very short periods of time. And and lo and behold, by 2009-10, that house, I could probably would have been lucky to get $300,000 for it. So this is a house that lost half its value. That happened all over the United States. We saw housing prices, some plummet even more than that. And so what you end up having was this, this dilemma of you know millions and millions of homeowners who owed more on their home than the home was worth. If I had bought the house at six hundred thousand and now it's worth three hundred thousand, well, you know, how long do I have to stay in that house for before I break even on that? And the reality was, you had to stay in it for uh, you know close to fifteen years. So what, what ended up happening was a bunch of people had, you know, they're upside down on their mortgages. They couldn't afford the homes they were in, and they said, "Screw it, I'm just going to walk." You know, I, I'm like, like, I don't need this burden of of debt hanging around my neck. Now there was other you know things going on at the time too. You had a lot of unemployment. You know, you had a recession, so it was a perfect storm for a huge credit uh, market collapse, and we saw that happen because of what happened at the banks. This was a banking crisis. Um, Lehman Brothers went out, Bear Stearns went out, AIG almost went out, Morgan Stanley almost went out, Bank of America almost went out. Right, we had some major issues in the credit markets. The banking system almost collapsed. They had to step in, 
And it was because of all these mortgage assets that weren't performing the way they were supposed to. And for people that don't remember this, this was during 2004, 5, 6, 7, there was a, like a sentiment in the market that was, oh, home prices will never go down. Literally what people would say. That was like, the, the home prices will never go down. Um, and, and it was kind of a ridiculous statement. But, there, but what ended up happening was they did. And when people were upside down, they said, why, why am I paying this? I'll walk. There was a huge business that came out of that called a loan modification business where they were going and negotiating with the banks. So say you owed five, 600,000, they'd go and negotiate and say, well, you know, well, well how about you, lo- you know, forgive 300,000 of debt and my, my client will pay you 300,000. You know, and there's, that became a big business during that time frame as well. And so that was the precipice of that market. That's what created that housing crisis, which led to home values dropping dramatically. What happened after that is why I don't think we're in a housing crisis right now or a bubble was lending standards tightened like you've never seen. And I was in the front row. I was a creator of that. I was, I was someone tightening lending standards, offering the new tightened lending standards. Uh, there was no subprime lending. There was no private securitization. There was no stated income loans. There was no uh, discounted cash flow, DSCR loans. You know, there was none of this stuff that, I mean, you can get some of this stuff now. There was hardly any interest-only lending. It was straight up, middle of the fairway, normal Fannie Freddie conventional lending for the most part. And then if you wanted something more exotic, you had to go in the, down the GSE route of a Ginny May loan. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now. And let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. 
You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. My business happened to specialize in Ginny May Lending, which is your FHA, VA, and USDA lending. So those were your were, were for first time home buyers and and veterans and people in lower income areas, um, lower down payment, but it's all insured by the government. And the lending standards for those were a little bit looser, but still compared to what was happening in you know oh four oh five oh six, where you, I mean back then you could have a loan that literally you paid under one percent of interest on your payment, and then two years later your payment would go up to nine percent. This is like chocolate and and Mars. Like, 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 not even chocolate and vanilla, not even apples and oranges, chocolate and the planet Mars. That's how different of the, of the worlds we're talking about. And so, in this market, it was thirty year fixed mortgages, very few arms, adjustable rate mortgages, um, mostly thirty year fixed mortgages, very vanilla lending, very tight lending standards. And that was the truth between oh nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Up around 2019, we started seeing some of the more exotic stuff come back, but it came back for a hot second. It's, there's a lot of rules around this now because of a law called Dodd-Frank, and they have a new system called Qualified Mortgages. So you can't even give the exotic products even if you want to do because they're barred by law. And so the entire housing market that we saw come out of the 08 debacle was a housing market of clean lending, very clean lending. And people couldn't borrow. The other thing that happened that was different was back in like the early 2000s, early aughts, appraisal market was kind of the wild, wild west. I could just go pick an appraisal and they give me an appraiser and that's the appraisal. Nowadays, you have to go through an appraisal panel and they're cutting values and, and it's really stringent appraisals. And we see that a lot nowadays. So this is a very different housing market than existed 15 years ago. So when people start saying, oh, it's another housing market, this is another 2008. I'm like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's just an untrue statement. And, and so now what we have seen though, and this is where there's probably some risk, and this is the one thing I would pay attention to if, if I'm wondering what's going to happen near-term to housing, is um, we saw interest rates go to unprecedented lows. And they had a very violent upturn recently to near-term highs. What do I mean by that? I mean... You know, during COVID up until probably end of last year, early this year, you could get a rate in the twos. I could go get a 30 year fixed rate mortgage of 2.75%. That same loan right now is probably 5.25%. What does that mean? Well, that means if your payment was 3,000, now it's 4,500 bucks. So that's a pretty big difference. Um, what I believe that we're going to see is we will see softening in some of our housing markets that are not uh, as strong of markets. Meaning, yeah, prices might drop a little bit. I really think what we're going to see, and th- this is primarily based off the fact that people have so much equity in their homes. If you go back to 08, I think the average home equity was somewhere around 30 or 40%, meaning that they, you know, they owed about 60, 65 cents on the dollar, 70 cents on the dollar. Now it's more like 
40 cents, 35 cents on the dollar. So there's a lot more equity in homes because we had such a quick run up in home prices. Now, does that mean if you just bought a house that you have that? Maybe, maybe not, depending on how much of a down payment you put. But the reality is we have way, way, way less debt against the assets than we had before, meaning that people have a lot more home equity. And if we go back to what happened in 2008, you had a bunch of people upside down on their houses who walked. They said, I'm better off renting. And that's just not the case if I have, you know, if home, if I have, if I, if I only owe 30 cents on the dollar, let's say my house is worth, you know, 600K and I owe 200K on it or 300K on it and it drops down to 400K and I owe 300, it's like, well, I still have $100,000 of equity. So you could literally have a home drop from 600 down to, you know, 400. But if I only owe 300, which is kind of what we're talking about right now is people owe, you know, 250, 300 grand against a house worth 600K. You know, if it drops to 400K, like they still have equity in their homes. They're not going to walk. No one in the right mind is going to walk, especially if they have a safe mortgage, meaning now I have a 2.5%, 2.75% 30 year fixed interest rate. Well, yeah, of course I'm not going to like walk from my house. I have $100,000 of equity. Yeah, it was way cooler. I felt way richer when my home was worth 600, but now it's worth 400. And I'm saying that's, that has not happened. None of what I just said has happened. I'm saying if that happened, that's the scenario we're looking at nationwide right now. So, I firmly believe that we do not have a housing crisis or housing. We're not in a housing bubble across the board nationally. Does that mean that there's some markets that have, you know, gone up too much and, you know, there's not as good of, you know, macroeconomic, you know, jobs and whatnot in the, in those little areas. And maybe those home prices will drop 20, 30% or people, you know, who got into those homes might go upside down on them a little bit because they, they didn't put enough of a down payment on them. And maybe will you see some strategic foreclosures? Maybe, but I think it's going to be very minimal and we just don't have the banking crisis we had 15, 14 years ago that we had, that, that we had back then today. I was talking to um, you know, a good friend of mine, a former guest on the show, and uh, Chris Schelling, we were talking about it. He just said, look, man, like, that was a banking crisis. And this, this is you know, what happens next. You know, the next crisis we have will we'll look different. And, and so when people are trying to compare 2021, 22 to 2007 and 8 in the housing market, I just say, you, know, you don't know what you're talking about now. I want to give you an example, though, because uh, my sister, for instance, she owns a house in Long Beach, California that she bought for, I think, 675000 bucks. That's now worth $1.1 million, right? That house you know, uh, is a two-bedroom, one-bath, beautiful little bungalow in a cool little area, but it's not nothing fancy. And you know, for, it's a starter home without question. Her and my brother-in-law and my, my niece and nephew live there. Um, and so if they wanted to sell that house, and so some other starter family moved in there and they had to pay 1.2 million bucks for it. They put call it 10, 20% down. Say they put 20% down. They're putting $240,000 down on that house. And they're going to have a house, a mortgage payment of six to $7,000. When I see stuff like that, it makes me wonder, is that how their home price is going to go down potentially? And so, yeah, I think there, there might be some softening of home prices. But I think what's probably more likely to happen is you're going to see less transactions happen because people have gotten so equity rich in their homes in such a short period of time and and rates shot up so quickly in such a short period of time that what we're seeing right now is there's a shortage of housing, meaning there's a shortage of inventory because people are like, well, I'm not going to sell my house because I got to go buy another house and pay way higher interest rates. So I'm just better off staying where I'm at. Um, and then you see people on the buy side that are like, wow, man, like I expect to pay my payment to be $3,000, not 4500 and so I'm just going to stay where I'm at. So we're seeing this short-term shock situation where people just are just not trade. There's no trades happening. Less trades are happening. Um, that will help maintain the value short-term is because you're going to have, you know, supply is low, demand may be, you know, the same, let's call it, 
Well, if supply is low and demand is the same, my microeconomic listeners might know that that means price is going to you know, go up. Uh, let's even say you have a softening of demand. If it's softening less than the supply, prices will go up. So I, I think minimally, you're just going to see less transactions in the near term. If rates stay at this level or keep going up, which I'm, I don't know if they will, you know, who knows? I, I'm doubtful that in the long run that we, that our, I think once inflation gets under control, we're going to see um, interest rates probably soften. I think we're going to go into some sort of like mild correction or recession. And I think that the Fed will do what it always does. Quantitative easing, lowering the interest rates. And, you know, then you'll see that these home prices will hold steady. And that's, that's my expectation for the housing market near term, short term. Um, long term, you know, I don't know. Home prices tend to go up at the rate of inflation. So last year we had a situation where home prices went up 20, 22%, I think nationwide. Yeah, that's not the rate of inflation. The rate of inflation was called 8%. Well, we're exceeding inflation by 13%. So, so yeah, that's got to like all, there's a rule, there's a law of economics called, you know, that says all markets go, will always go back to equilibrium. Right there's a re- idea called reversion to the mean, meaning it goes back to equilibrium. So if the average is eight percent and we had a twenty one percent, well, that means that probably you're not going to get a lot of growth in the near term because it's got to catch up. The market's got to catch up. So that's my take. I would say if you're waiting for housing prices to drop or some big collapse to happen, like, don't hold your breath waiting for that because you might end up uh, passing out from lack of oxygen. Because I do not see a huge correction in the housing market. I do think there will be pockets. Uh, um, in the market, things where it's like, that just doesn't make sense where you see a house that was doubled in value. That's in a mediocre to upper mediocre area or lower mediocre area. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that house is probably going to go down in value. Why? Because markets always go back to equilibrium and it went up too much. The market kind of pushed it up artificially because of low interest rates. But, um, outside of that, you know, if you're in a strong market, I live in Austin, Texas, my house went up a bunch in value. Yay, 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 me. I don't care either way. I'm not going anywhere. But, um, you know, if you're not in some cool place like Austin or San Francisco or LA or New York or you know Miami or Nashville, then yeah, you're probably gonna get a little softening. For in these cooler places, you know, too bad for you, yay for me. Um, yeah, home prices are gonna hold steady because there's a lot of demand, the new people moving here. And what it comes down to at the end of the day is if more people are moving than are moving out, then you have more people there to take, you know, to compete for those homes. So, you know, you location, location, location. I would not worry about home prices dropping if I was in your shoes. And uh, anyone that says that, they could take it up with me. I'm ready to, to, to I will debate anyone on this. And I'll even go get my data, my, my data points in a row because I've, I've looked up a ton of data on this. And the reality is there's just too much equity in these homes and uh, you have a shortage of housing. And as long as that persists with really good lending standards, which is more or less what we've had for the last you know, 14, 13 years, then I think we're in a safe spot. With that said, uh, Hope y'all are having a great week and looking forward to our next episode of The Greatness Machine. Talk to y'all soon. Peace out. Love you. You are listening to The Greatness Machine and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. 
And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.